your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators podcast. Welcome inside episode 248 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Piller up in Collingwood on an Ottawa Senators game day. The Sens put their 2-11-1 record on the line in Winnipeg, the first of a pair of games against a team that already beat them three times earlier this season. It was the Nikolai Ehlers, Andrew Kopp show, but the Jets have a new star in town and we'll get to see him for the first time we'll let you know who that is who our locked on players are for your ottawa senders and how can the Sens beat the jets for the first time this season we'll hit you with our keys to victory before turning our attention to some roster moves artem anisimov was placed on waivers just after yesterday's show so while we're recording it's 11 30 right now we'll find out at the top of the hour if he was claimed i would highly doubt that but what's next for artem anisimov and how does this affect the shuffle because it sounded like Logan Brown's music, but then a corresponding move, Logan Brown down to Belleville. So we'll break down all that. And we'll also touch on Pierre Dorian's hit with TSN 1200 because Pierre Dorian versus PR Dorian remains one of sports greatest rivalries, all that and more. This is the locked on senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Thursday, February 11th, and Pilsy, turn the lights up because the Artie party is over in Ottawa. Yeah, it's closing time on Artem Anisimov, unfortunately, it looks like for him. And hey, in two years, well, basically one season, he's only played a handful of games this season. 53 games with the Senators, 15 goals, 6 assists, dash 18. Not the best showing for Artem Anisimov, but Ross, you were able to witness his greatest moment as an Ottawa Senator. His only game-winning goal came in overtime against the Dallas Stars. And I remember that trip vividly to Ottawa because it was for Chris Phillips' retirement game. And it was the matinee, a Sunday, like 5 o'clock start. My buddy, shout out Jared Havlock, works at the rink. And he's like, man, come on down. Let's let's watch this. And it was maybe a, a half-hearted three-quarters full CTC, if that, but uh, Eaton Golden Palace egg rolls. Next thing you know, Artem Anisimov breakaway in overtime, backhand, bar down. So Artem will always have that party moment for you. But as I mentioned, the Artie party is gone. I see this much like a Braden Coburn situation on waivers where he'll be assigned to the taxi squad once noon hits. We're recording just after 1130, so it should be very soon. Um, and then we might not hear from him again. Has 4.55 left in million dollars in his final year of this contract and he's 32 years old so you can't expect him to be producing at the level that he once did this guy used to be a consistent 20 goal scorer in the national hockey league in multiple locations in new york and columbus and in chicago but let's be honest from the moment that he was acquired for zach smith that was all about getting that final year of smith's contract off the books smith had three years artem had two years left on the contract and It's not like Zach Smith has necessarily lit it up in Chicago. And we're going to actually get that tomorrow because Pilsy and I were talking before the show. It seems like all these players that Ottawa parted with outside of Mark Stone, their careers have taken 
just the biggest downturn. Look at some defensemen out in San Jose and Matthew Shane as two prime examples of that. But focusing on the roster moves, Pilsy, Artem Isimov, don't think we have to touch on that too much more. However, the fallout from it is what's more interesting. Immediately, everyone said, oh my God, that's Logan Brown's music. We are that much closer to seeing him in the NHL. But a corresponding move later in the afternoon saw Logan Brown back to Belleville, who now has a schedule full preview in yesterday's Locked On Senators. But wow, what a boost to Belleville. They're going to get him. Matthew Pekka coming up to the taxi squad. Your thoughts on Logan Brown getting his feet wet in the AHL before his NHL opportunity. Well, if there's one thing we know for sure in Sensland is Pierre Dorian always keeps things interesting. And you can't really, you can't really think he's done when he says he's done or when, uh, when a move has been made. Because we thought Logan Brown's going to be on the taxi squad, geared up, ready to play in the NHL. Next thing you know, he's zigging while we're zagging. And Logan Brown back down to the AHL. And I actually think that this is a good move for a couple of reasons. Logan Brown hasn't played a game in a long time, so you got to get him in a competitive hockey game, similar to Joey Decord, right? So get these. You just brought down to your Belleville Senators a number one starting goalie in Joey Decord and a number one center in Logan Brown. An elite AHL center. Exactly. So you've just bolstered this lineup massively. And I think... Pierre Dorian said it at the end of last season. The biggest problem with the season shutting down was Belleville not getting to go on a playoff run and these young kids not getting able to build chemistry and play meaningful games on their development curve on their way up to the NHL. So great idea to get to Corden Brown in the AHL. Start off strong. Realistically, they could sweep all four games against Laval and that wouldn't be that crazy. And with the way the season's going with COVID, luckily Canada hasn't been affected by it in the NHL, but there may be some games canceled and you have to know that the playoffs are going to be set by points percentage. So any games you can get, any wins you can get right away, get those locked up and loaded because you don't know how the season's going to go and you want to make sure your point percentage is strong. And just touching on the talent that Logan Brown has, especially at the AHL level, last year he only played 25 games because he was up and down with Ottawa, 21 games in the National Hockey League. But in points per game in the AHL, minimum 10 games played last year, he was eighth. He can score at that level. He had 28 points. In 25 games, 21 assists too. But he's looking around and saying, uh, Drake Batherson, where, where'd you go? Uh, Nick Paul, where'd you go? His typical line mates down there in Belleville won't be around. So the move came after we recorded yesterday's show. So who would you like to see him with? There's four games in a week. Who do you play with Logan Brown on what will be the de facto number one line? I think you keep that top line how he had it, except you replace Philip Schlappick at the center position with Logan Brown. I want to see him playing with Formanton and Logan Shaw. Get this line going. This needs to be your top line. Uh, Logan Brown, he's got the vision. He's got the passing ability. Feed it up to Formanton, who gets the puck up the ice. And then Logan Shaw has the experience. And uh, his AHL goal-scoring ability is through the roof. And he can finish off that play for you. I love that first line. I think I'd want to see Igor on, on Logan Brown's wing because maybe I'm getting a little excited about Igor. He hasn't played his first pro game yet, but I just see him as the perfect compliment to a guy like Logan Brown. Maybe neither play with the most pace, but when they're in the offensive zone, they're just going to be humming around and looking for each other in the right spots. And maybe 
I would replace – we had Ridley Gregg as the second-line center, and I think maybe it's best if he starts on the wing as well if we're talking about Ridley. So why not have Schlappick, Formanton, and Logan Shaw, but that's probably your second line now, and then Abramov, Logan Brown, and Igor Sokolov as another scoring line. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's not bad. And then, uh, man, you get the size of Igor Sokolov and Logan Brown up together. Oh, that's a tough line to play against. Vitaly grows three or four inches just by association on that yeah. unit as well. But extremely excited for the Belleville Senators to get going. As I mentioned, we did a full preview on yesterday's show. Pilsy and I have been in the trenches in Belleville the past two seasons working the production team. So we uh, have a little bit of a how do we say um, credibility yeah that's one way to say it i was just gonna say a soft spot for the belleville senators we'll be all over that just as much as we are the ottawa senators and we do need to talk about today's game because the the winnipeg jets i thought ottawa was gonna go one and oh against them they were leading in the third period in that third game of the season you know it was it's pretty much been all downhill from there at that point ottawa was one and one on the season Going into that third period with a lead, I was like, wow, is Ottawa going to be over 500? Let's go. And while they went, certainly just the other way. So we're going to touch on that and Pierre Dorian's comments from TSN 1200. Some interesting ones there. Of course, the Ottawa Senators are 1-6 and six on the road this season. So why not power up with a built bar? And that's what I would recommend the boys do as they get set for another nine-game road trip. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar that comes in 16 amazing flavors. There's eight that have chocolate and nut, and eight are chocolate but nut-free. What I can tell you is they're all 100% covered in real chocolate. And when I say chocolate, maybe you think, hmm, sounds more like a dessert. But it's great for the health-conscious guy. Built bars are low in calorie, low in sugar, and high in protein and high in fiber. That is the perfect way to either lose or maintain weight while indulging in such a delicious treat. My favorite is if you go to BuiltBar.com, they have these mixed boxes. And that way, all the variety is at your fingertips. But sometimes it's a little overwhelming. And that's why Pillsy's here for his pick of the week to let you know what he's been crushing in his mixed bag of Built Bars. I love the mix boxes, Ross. That is the way to go. So you can try all of the 16 different flavors and maybe you'll pick one of your favorites. One of the favorites that has been a consistent staple in my built bar diet is cookies and cream. I would say that's probably my, one of my favorite ice cream flavors and built bar takes that flavor and puts it into a nice nutritional built bar that tastes like a candy bar, 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, four grams of sugar, and some absolutely delicious treats. So go to BuiltBar.com right now and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your first order. That's 20% off promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com. All right, Pilsy, before we move on from the Belleville Senators, some amateur tryouts to tell you about. And that is, as we mentioned in yesterday's show, the young players in the league this season because of the shutdowns across the WHL, OHL, and the Quebec League, has allowed them to explore this avenue. And a third goalie is always great to have on the practice team, with especially the taxi squad in the NHL needing to have three goalies. And it's Cedric Andre, a very familiar name around Ottawa. And if you haven't seen already, Pilsy retweet. I think it was Steve Bunda from TSN 1200 
this Cedric Andre, he is a little water bug in goal. A short goalie, but, man, he had some success with the 67s. Yeah, this is a fun signing for the Sens. Uh, it's always great to have kind of a hometown kid who played – well, he played for the 67s. And, yeah, that video he, – He's from go, Ottawa. He's a hometown Okay, kid. so perfect. Hometown kid for sure. Go to my Twitter and watch that video. That is some of the most insane movements I've seen on the ice. Like, that's like – those videos of like cats chasing laser pointers. Like it's absolutely wild what this kid is doing on the ice. And when I wasn't really familiar with him before, to be honest, and I looked at his um, hockey DB page and he's Canadian and Dutch heritage. So I was like, Oh, this kid's going to be tall. Five foot 10. That is a small Dutch goalie. Usually they're a little taller, but I think this kid, he put up some good numbers in the OHL. Two full seasons of goals against average below 2.5 and save percentage above 0.910. So he's going to be a decent guy as a third option. I actually kind of was hoping that the Sens were going to bring back uh, the Brampton starter, Alex Dubow. He had to come into Belleville for a couple emergency games when the injuries and goalies were just going crazy. And the numbers weren't there for him, but he, for the situation he was put in, he played really well, in my opinion. So that's a guy I would have liked to see come back. He's in Hershey, though, so no chance there. But it's always good to get a nice, young, hometown goalie available for the Belleville Sens here. Let's get into Pierre Dorian's conversation on the drive and I give Dorian full credit just to be available to the media on a travel day he didn't have to do that and when your team is 2 11 and 1 maybe you're not always going to be ready to face the media I thought the questions were okay I thought they could have been a little more poignant especially but one thing I'll start with what worried me and then we'll finish off with uh what we did like and when I say PR Dorian public relations Dorian there's no trust at all I don't I don't believe anything he says and that goes back to time and time again from easy to, to tell lies. And then I don't know what he was going to say about the Derek Stepan question. He said that Stepan loves being in Ottawa, hasn't asked for a trade or anything, but it's just, I trust Elliot Friedman more than I trust Pierre Dorian. And then I think what really got me is when he said, our roster is set for, for the season. And then he made two trades like the next day, like, I don't know what changes in that, but what he did say, and it kind of goes with those two trades he made recently, he felt like against Edmonton, if they had more vets in the lineup, they would have won. Like, huh? They had more vets in the lineup in Edmonton, and they got the friggin' shit kicked out of them. The coaches and GMs trying to support the vets, you, you got to remember they got an agenda, right? And when you're when you're looking at Pierre Dorian saying things that uh, necessarily aren't true, like we're, we're done making moves, uh, Derek Stepan loves it in Ottawa, he has not asked for a trade. These are all points of leverage, right? Like Pierre Dorian can't be going on the radio and saying, Derek Stepan has demanded to trade. There goes any, if if there's any value with Derek Stepan, him demanding a trade would pretty much fully erase all of that. So he's not, he's, I'm pretty sure everyone already knows around the league. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's not like a well-known secret or something that he's hiding, but he's trying to he's trying to hold some leverage. And as as he famously says, he does not negotiate through the media. So that's one thing that he's obviously going to do. A couple there was a couple things that I liked that Pierre Dorian said though. I I maybe maybe give him a little more slack than most people, but I liked when he was saying he referenced Colin White last year was handed everything. 
and he automatically had a top six role, et cetera, et cetera. And it was more, I think, again, the wording there, he wasn't really handed everything. It was out of necessity. This roster was fully depleted and there was no one available. And he said he struggled that year, whereas this year he had to earn it. And look, he's come back much stronger. And he reference the development of Nick Paul as a really good point to calm people down about Logan Brown. Like Nick Paul went up and down in the AHL and the NHL. Go ahead, read Ian Mendez article in the athletic. He states that Nick Paul was uh, sent up and down 11 times. Logan Brown has been sent up and down six times. So there's a lot of patience that needs to go into some players, but we're seeing the rewards from that. Look at Nick Paul now. He's a complete NHL player that he wasn't in years past. So I think we got to be patient with Logan Brown here, but something does need to happen. Uh, one thing I'll say is Nick Paul is a fourth round draft pick. Logan Brown went 11th overall. So there should be a little bit of extra excitement, I guess, to get that youth into the lineup when they're their top end talent and logan brown was pierre dorian's first ever draft pick as the general manager of this team and he traded up to get him now when you look at that 2016 draft are there many forwards immediately behind logan brown that you'd say oh they should have taken him probably not like the next guy that really jumped off the page to me was alex to and he didn't go until the middle of the second round so it's just one of those drafts. Like Carter Hart went in the second round of that draft too. It was kind of strange. Like there's, of course, the top-end talent, Austin Matthews, Patrick Laine, and Pierre-Luc Dubois, who we're going to see tonight. But at the same time, you, you just have to get him in the lineup and see what you have because when he was in the lineup, he's averaging 10 minutes a game. So, yeah, you don't want to give too much, but at the same time, he's been in the organization. This is the fifth year since he's been drafted. Like at some point, see what you have. And that day is coming. I don't disagree with getting him some games in the American Hockey League, but when he comes up this time, give him an opportunity in the top six and he either grasps it or it's time to move on at the end of the season. But I think that they owe it to Logan Brown. They've invested a lot of development time in him. See what you have for an extended period in the role in which you've seen him dominate at the OHL and the AHL level. And I think that's going to be a little bit of, of a tough ask from a head coach who loves pace and that's not Logan Brown's game. But when your power play is at the bottom of the league and Logan Brown is a power play guy, let's see him get those opportunities to succeed. Yeah, I agree. Especially on the point of the power play, like Logan Brown, we've seen in Belleville firsthand. He's a power play specialist for sure. Um, I have a question for you, Ross. Do you see a scenario where Logan Brown and Derek Stepan coexist on this team or does Stepan have to go to really give Logan Brown that shot? I think he has to, he has to leave, right? There's, there's only a, a finite amount of players that make the team and we've seen, well, maybe Derek Stepan shifts over to wing. It's not like he's winning many faceoffs at the same no. time. So there's that left wing spot on the fourth line that seems like it's, it's being run through a little bit and, and we'll see where, where the wheel stops spinning really. But as it stands for the four center ice positions, Tierney, I think is quietly having a really good season. I, I think Chris Tierney has been what you like expect Tierney. from him. Then Colin White, I think he's establishing himself in the middle of the ice. And then Josh Norris, maybe that's a guy who I'm, I'm starting to think maybe he needs to be shuffled in and out. And that's nothing detrimental to, to Josh Norris. This is a lot of games against extremely talented centers that he's matching up with every night. I don't think it's the worst thing if he plays more AHL games. You talk about Logan Brown being sent up and down a bunch of times. Well, Josh Norris has been called up twice, 
right? He had the three-game stint last year, and then he made the team out of camp this year. So uh, maybe that's a spot where Stepan can stay on that fourth-line center. I just think Stepan's game is not a fourth-line center style, and I just think he needs to go as, as soon as possible. Make Admit you made a mistake on that signing, trade, I should say, and move on if, if possible, or give him the Artem treatment. Put him, uh, put him on waivers and see what happens. Maybe a relationship that seems like Stepan's a pretty liked guy from around the league. Maybe he has a relationship with a, with a management team, and they're like, okay, well, we'll give you a shot because his play on the ice I don't think has really warranted that this year. And it's just it's too bad to see because there's a lot of excitement when that uh, was announced. But right now, you've tried it. It hasn't worked. So let's get the youth in and let's see if they can provide the spark that you need. It's not like it's not like you're worried about making changes when you have two wins in 13 games. So uh, 14 games. I'm losing count. It's it's getting so so wild, and we're more than a quarter of the way past the season. So. Teams are what they are almost at this point. And despite not having the preseason, just get them in the lineup. Like if it's Stepan, sure. If it's North, sure. Get them in the lineup. Get them playing a center. And we'll see where it goes from there. But as I mentioned, no problem at all with waiting one more week. So long as he is getting games. And he'll have four of them if they wait until not, not this Saturday, but next. So do you care at all what the return is for Stepan or it's just a lost cause now and just move forward? It's lost. You, you know what? You took a swing. It didn't work. So that's that. Yeah, and that's fair. And I mean, yeah, I don't think like what could Derek Stepan do in a matter of a week or two that would turn an NHL's team attention be like, we need that guy. Like Not what, flip the puck what can he do guys? really? <laughs> yeah, I guess win half your face-offs. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm kind of a similar boat. Like, it's it's tough when you give up an asset like a second round pick, but eventually you gotta you gotta know when you've made a mistake and you gotta move past it because there's no there's no sense trying to give Derek Stepan uh, cushy power play time so that he gets a goal or two so you bump up the trade value from a sixth round pick to a fifth or something like that right so it's time to move on and it's time to give Logan Brown his due I think he's worked to earn it and we'll see like Dorian said Logan Brown has to play really well in the first couple games if he's going to get called up so we'll see if that ends up happening don't even get me started on that statement. Like, what's he going to do? Go down and not play great in this first game? And then they're going to be like, oh, he didn't play well enough to be called up, but you're sending him down because you think he needs to get his feet under him because he hasn't played in so long. So wouldn't you be expecting some rust in his game? It just seems like it's a double-edged sword with Logan Brown. And I don't know why they're making it so difficult on him because of the situation that Pierre Dorian and the chips that he's put in on Logan Brown to be a great player. So it's an interesting um assessment and it sounds like we've heard all this talk about logan brown switching agents and his agent not being happy and this and that and dorian did mention he called logan brown's agent to have a conversation so i i would love to have been a fly on the wall for that conversation but hey the good news though is he will be back playing hockey for the first time in like 330 days and we'll see where it goes from there belleville of course starting their season tomorrow in laval and I wish we could bet on that, but we're going to have to stick with the NHL. And how do we do that? We go to betonline.ag. It's the number one place that has you covered and the number one place that we trust when it comes to sports wagering. We are on fire at Pilsy's Parlay of the Day at betonline.ag. And when you go to betonline.ag, put in the promo code Locked On, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. And then you can turn that money into so much more if you listen to Pillsy because what is it now? Three out of four? 
Oh, yeah. That is unreal. So I don't even want to wait longer. I need to know. I'm running to betonline.ag right now, and I am ready to ride with you on this Pillsy's Parlay of the Day. What do we have? Hey, to all the haters and faders that have been hating and fading my parlay, well, sucks to suck. You should follow along because three out of four, you'd probably make back that money that you lost if you followed along the whole time. And look, maybe this is going to be a bit of a heat check, but I'm trying something new here. Going to try to line those pockets a little more than usual. Ross, we're going with a three-team parlay today. I have so much faith in the Tampa Bay Lightning. They've been cruising lately, so you got to hit that money line up against the Florida Panthers. Sergei Bobrovsky, Bobrovsky is starting, so uh, not looking good for the Panthers. They should probably start Chris Drieger if they want to have any chance at a win. So we're hitting that money line at minus 158. That's actually a nice number, I think. And then heading down, Carolina and the Dallas Stars. I love the Hurricanes play lately. Reimer's been a little bit shaky, but he's been solid since Mrazek's been out. They played the Dallas Stars a couple weeks ago and won both those games. So I'm hitting Carolina Hurricanes money line at minus 121. And now the piece de resistance. This is really going to boost the numbers here. Calgary Flames up against the Vancouver Canucks. It's Markstrom's first time back in Vancouver and he's revenge got some- game. Oh, big time revenge game. He's got something to prove. It's also uh Tanev's first time back, so he's got something to prove. I see the Flames dominating the Canucks, who I think have lost like six straight games or something ridiculous. Uh, so we're hitting Flames puck line minus one and a half at plus 165. So to wrap up. Tampa Bay money line, Carolina money line, Calgary Flames puck line, three-team parlay, risk 10 bucks to win 6903. That's gonna be a massive win if this pays off. I've been I've been hitting my parlays pretty consistently here. So trying something a little new to line those pockets in case another cold streak happens. So let's hit that for Pillsy's three-team parlay of the day. Man, those Vancouver Canucks 0-5 in their last five games, and they've allowed 26 goals in five games that's more than five per game math guy and i am in on that action i'm not on the sidelines and you should not be either get into the action and don't forget to use the promo code locked on to receive a 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit it's bet online your online sports book experts all right pilsy let's fly on over to the preview of tonight's game how can we cool the jets against ottawa because it's oh, 3-0 and oh, if you're Winnipeg, 0-2-1 oh, and one for Ottawa. And while those two games weren't particularly close, although one you could say Hellebuck played really well. However, a win's a win, a loss is a loss. And how can the Ottawa Senators get two points in tonight's game? Well, I'm going to focus on something that they've actually done a really good job of lately, and that's stay disciplined. We've had this a couple times, but when you're a lowly team like the Ottawa Senators up against a stacked Winnipeg Jets lineup, you cannot allow them to get on the man advantage, especially since the last time that the Sens were in town to play the Winnipeg Jets, or I guess Winnipeg Jets were in town to play the Ottawa Senators. There was no Patrick Liney or Jack Roslevic or Pierre-Luc Dubois on this Jets team. So a much easier opponent now with that big trade. Pierre-Luc Dubois is in Winnipeg. He's already been playing. They're easing him in on the third line. Maybe he gets a little more minutes tonight, though, so you got to watch out for that. But 
both of those power play units for the Jets are absolutely lethal. Now that they've added another number one center along with Mark Scheifele, like you, we can't afford to let these guys get on the power play because I don't see it going well for the Sens if that happens. Kyle Connor already has four power play goals on this young season. And he's the on Jets. the second unit, I think. Yeah, the Jets have been scoring at will, both on the power play and at even strength. Like you look at Blake Wheeler, there's been a lot of, of dialogue about Blake Wheeler having a slow start and his five-on-five numbers are, are pretty bad, just frankly. But he still has 11 points in 12 games. So you have to be aware when they're on the power play. He's a minus nine in 12 games, but yet has 11 points. So I think that's kind of an interesting stat line, one you don't see very often. But up and down this lineup, I got to give Kevin Day off the Jets general manager, a lot of credit for how he's built this team. They're deep down the middle. They knew they had their top two wingers locked up long-term, seven-year contracts for both Kyle Connor and Nikolai Ehlers. So Patrick Laine became expendable. So what does he do? He already has a perfect 2B center in Peter Stastny. Wow, Peter Stastny, Paul Stastny. If they had Peter Stastny, they'd be going for the Stanley Cup every year. One of the best uh, European players to come over, one of the first as well. But his son, Paul Stastny, also had a lot of success in his career. And I just think that he's perfect when he's isolated, insulated as a third liner. And bringing in Pierre-Luc Dubois, you mentioned they're starting Dubois on the third line. That won't last long. I just think that he's built it perfectly. Maybe you could argue that the back end doesn't have as much talent as you would like, but Dylan DeMello missed the game in Ottawa. He ended up playing the last two in Winnipeg. Uh, He's a new father, so uh, stick taps to him on that. But with him in the lineup, he changes the dynamic. And I wonder if that uh, leaf feeder, if Logan uh, Stanley's going to be in the lineup tonight. Uh, Interesting there. He was also in that 2016 draft with Logan Brown. I remember there was a lot of dialogue. Maybe Ottawa should be after him. So Logan Stanley is another guy on the back end. We don't know what we're going to get from him. But when you look at what they got for Jacob Truba, but Neil Pionk comes in, he has nine assists already this season, seven of them at even strength. So you got to look for the puck moving ability of a guy like Neil Pionk. I think what's important is to get in on these Jets defensemen on the forecheck and cut off their time and space. Don't make them be able to be comfortable getting out of the zone and starting the forecheck because Winnipeg's top six, is right up there at the top of the league. So even their top nine, like Andrew Kopp's got a point per game on the third line. Like they're just really deep up front. Don't let their their defensemen get the puck up ice that easily. Cut it off at the neck, right? Don't allow them any chance. And then I think Ottawa could generate some more offensive opportunities. Yeah, I like that. That's probably the one weak part of the Jets is their decor. And I mean, they... Sheveldayoff was probably relying on at least one more season out of Bufflin, if not two. So that's yeah. a big shakeup in that uh, department there. And Tucker Pullman, maybe not a household name, but I really like his game. He's more of a shutdown style defenseman. And yeah, like you said, they got some puck movers back there and Morrissey and Pionk, but not a lot of shutdown guys. So you need to be attacking them offensively and getting in on the forecheck. I bet you Pierre Dorian likes Tucker Pullman as well. You know why? Why? North Dakota alumni. He was uh, <laughs> fighting a hawk as well. So there you go. And you mentioned Josh Morrissey, only four assists in 12 games, no goals. So a bit of a slow start. And I feel like I'm jinxing. I feel like he's going to go off tonight. But in my lookout player, maybe I'll add Josh Morrissey to that list because that number uh, it's really surprises me. He's usually up there in points. But I'm going to go with Andrew Koff, the uh, former Michigan University captain, who's always kind of seen as a fourth-line guy. He really had to work his way up. He's been in the organization. He played his first game with Winnipeg in 2014. 
And then it took him a while to get under, under his, his feet under. He had 17 points in two years in and was really just fitting in as like a hard-to-play-against fourth-line guy who could kill penalties. But now he's added this offensive rhythm to his game. He's got double-digit goals in each of the last two seasons. And now he's up at 12 points in 12 games. He's a big body. He's a guy who can drive to the front of the net. He's got good speed as well. And I'm, I'm thinking he might have his way if he's matched up against one of the Sens' bottom six lines. He's a really reliable center. And uh, I think that if he goes, the Sens might be in trouble. And that's been the case. He had two goals in the last meeting against Ottawa and had an assist in each of the first two games. So he's up at four points in four games against Ottawa. And I think it's going to be important to shut down that second half. Because you know that the top end of the Jets lineup, they're going to do damage whichever way you slice it. You just hope to mitigate it as much as possible. But if you can just cut off any sort of sustained pressure from their bottom six, Ottawa is going to be in a lot better shape. So I'm going to be focused on Andrew Kopp tonight. How about you, Pills? Nice. I like that one a lot. Uh, Andrew Kopp, great player. Another guy that kind of goes under the radar is uh, Lowry. That's another one that yep. the, the Ottawa centers are going to have to look out for. A hey, fun story about Lowry. His dad became an assistant coach for the Jets. So it's pretty rare to see a coach on the same bench as his son. And he was hired. He was apparently approached three years ago for this position, but wasn't comfortable taking it because Lowry was, was sort of on his way and he didn't want there to be any sort of, hum, is he getting an opportunity because his dad's on the bench? But now that Lowry is such an established player, Adam, that is, Dave Lowry, who, if you want to bring it full circle, coached Ridley Gregg, and Brandon this past season, he's, he's an NHL veteran. Like he, he played in the league as well, very respected. So I don't think the players would have thought that anyways, but kind of cool that there's a, not only a father-son connection there, but Pierre-Luc Dubois' dad is an assistant coach with Winnipeg's AHL team. Yeah, wow. Dad, dads and sons just meeting up in Winnipeg. That's cool. Um, yeah, so for my lookout player, Ross, you said Cop had four points in uh, the series against the Sens. How about I one-up you here? Nikolai Ehlers is uh, a Sens killer. Four points for Cop, five points for Nikolai Ehlers. He scored a goal in all three games against the Sens, and then the last two games of that series, he had a goal and an assist in both games he scored the OT winner in that one that the Sens should have beat Laurent Boissois in uh, to go two and one to start the season so Nikolai Ehlers that's a guy I've always enjoyed I know Ross you got to see him a lot when you were in Halifax when he was with the Mooseheads that's a guy that kind of goes under the radar he gets lost under uh Connor Shifley Wheeler all these kinds of guys he's kind of the lower tier guy there but he's exploding this season and I think he's going to be a guy that the Sens Hopefully, you got to shut him down at least once. So hopefully, this is the game that Nikolai Ehlers gets snake bit and doesn't score a goal. Well, don't bank on it. I just looked it up because I remember the year I lived in Halifax, it was him and Timo Meyer, and Ehlers was just unreal. I just searched. I said, Nikolai Ehlers, Moosehead streak. And the first thing that comes up, Nikolai Ehlers has set a new franchise record for the Halifax Mooseheads, bringing his point streak to 30 games. A 30-game <laughs> point streak. Wow. Yeah, and you mentioned playing against the Sens. He's had success. He has nine points in 11 career games against Ottawa. So just a stud all in all and uh, amazing hands, just a, a very fast player, can get in on the forecheck, and he can make plays in tight as well. So good call looking out for him. Now, our locked-on player on your Ottawa Senators, who's it for you tonight? 
Well, I'm going to be locked on to a guy that hasn't had a lot of time to show what he's got, and that's Christian Willannon. And I think maybe he was inserted into that lineup a little prematurely with Brandstrom going out and him coming back in. That was kind of the the corresponsive move. So that's maybe why you saw Willannon. I think he only had like 13 minutes of ice time in that game against Edmonton. So I'm going to be locked on to him for this game because – now he's his spot is a little in question with seeing how well Branstrom did when he was on the IR. So he's got to make sure that he's proving that he's the young left-hand puck-moving defenseman that DJ Smith wants in his top four. And while Branstrom is out, he better make a good showcase for himself here because that time may slip away when the franchise gets back into the fold. Yeah, it's really too bad that that happened to Derek Branstrom. But you're right, a huge opportunity for Will Landon to to cement himself as a PP2 guy, as a guy who can actually provide offense for this team. We've seen it in Belleville. Now it's really time to do it in Ottawa. I'm going to go with Colin White today. I think that as the Senators have improved, I think Colin White has improved leaps and bounds. He's just not even the same player as he was last year. He's hard on checks. He's hard on the forecheck. And I think that he might be matched up against Andrew Kopp. So it goes kind of hand in hand and, I think that it's going to be a huge test for him because he's going to give up some inches. Whoever he goes up against, this Winnipeg team, outside of Ehlers and Connor, they've got some big boys up front. So how will Colin White handle that pressure? He didn't have an opportunity earlier in the season, a healthy scratch against Winnipeg. So let's see what he can do. Maybe he remembers sitting upstairs and watching Winnipeg-Ottawa play. And now it's his time to prove that he is an NHLer and he's done a fantastic job on faceoffs, well over 50% recently. And that's kind of the key to his game because he's a better player when he's playing with the puck and playing with confidence. And I think that when he loses a few faceoffs in a row, he starts to drain how he's going to play the game. So play a simple game, Colin, but also let's see a tip around the net. DJ Smith has been very vocal the last few games, not getting enough bodies in front of the net. I think that's kind of a challenge to a guy like Colin White, who has great hand-eye, can get in front, cause havoc, take away the eyes of Connor Hellebuck, because if he can see it, that guy is uh, an MVP candidate last year, the Vesna winner. So you have to draw a crowd in front of him, and I think that starts with Brady Kachuk and Colin White as guys who need to get into the eyes of Hellebuck. So let's hope that they can do that. And if they do, I think the Sens could find some success. So I'm locked on Colin White tonight. Yep. I like that as well. Colin White is a guy that's really improved. And hey, like Pierre Dorian said, like he had to earn it. And I think sometimes you, you need a little slice of humble pie. Sure, you're the the forward that's has the most money committed to you on this Ottawa Senators roster, but that doesn't mean you just slide into a roster spot whenever you please. Like you got to work hard on the forecheck. You got to do the little things that no one wants to do. You got to practice face-offs harder. And these are the things that Colin White has. He hasn't complained. We haven't seen him bitch and moan about it. He's not whining. He did his time in the press box. He's worked in practice and now look at him. So I think that's a good kind of um, example for some of these younger guys who are struggling like Josh Norris at the start. Like it's going to take some time here and that's fine. So Locked on, Christian Willinen and Colin White. It's, it's going to be an interesting game tonight, that's for sure. 100%. And tomorrow we'll be back to break it all down. We mentioned a potential special guest. We've got it locked in for Monday, and I'm going to leave it at that. We don't tease interviews until they're recorded. 
but I'm fired up for this one. Also tomorrow, we're going to have Scott Wheeler on the show. We, we already talked about earlier in the week, I believe it was Tuesday, about his prospect rankings that came out. He's got Ottawa at number three. So we'll dive into that with Scott tomorrow. Enjoy the game tonight for Brandon Piller. I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Hey guys, little bonus for you today. We mentioned off the top that it was close to noon. So before we get, we're going to add on to the end of the show, a new show from Locked On. It's Locked On Now. It's a 20-minute quick-hitting sports show, and we just want to add that into the end of this episode so you can get a little teaser and you can go subscribe to that at Locked On Now. But one more sends note before we do that, a little update. Artem Anisimov has cleared waivers, Pilsy. How surprised are you? Not surprised at all. <laughs> okay, not surprised at all. I was surprised at how good Locked On Now is. It's a really fast-hitting show. Think about it as like your, your quick morning sports loop where it's just like quick highlights from every game and then you're ready for the water cooler, basically. It's the, the number one story from the number one events that happen each and every day. So without further ado, we're really excited. It's hosted by Peter Bukowitz. And here's what to expect from the show every single day. Locked On Podcast Network and Radio.com present Locked On Today. The NBA and its players are on opposite sides of the All-Star game. Are the Jets the most interesting team in the NFL this offseason? Plus, can the Minnesota Vikings follow in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' footsteps? I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the stories you need to know and the biggest debates in sports. You're locked on today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. We haven't heard much about the NBA All-Star Game lately, which is likely headed to Atlanta in less than a month. What's going on with that? Maria Martin with our friends at 11 Alive Sports gives us an update. An NBA All-Star Game announcement seemed imminent, but as word circulated that the league was scrambling to put a game together, I think it's stupid. Player criticism arose. Reports stated that the league and the Players Association liked the idea of having the game, but the actual players, not so much. Still dealing with a, with a pandemic. We're still de dealing with everything that's been going on. And we're going to bring the whole league into one city that's open. Obviously, you guys can see I'm not very happy about it. After LeBron's comments, no announcement, just murmurs of the league continuing to work out the details. The job for the union has been to try to make sure our players are healthy and safe. Chris Paul is the president of the NBA Players Association and advocated for an all-star game, and he's still working to make that happen. Different situations, you know, guys who've been playing a lot of games uh, who hadn't really had much of breaks. You know, guys look at that break as an opportunity to see their families. Television rights are what makes it too appealing for the league to give up. Last year's game saw a ratings increase of 8%. 7.3 million viewers. Ads sold out in record time in 2020, bringing in millions. We all know why we're playing it. Uh, you know, is money on the line. Just putting, putting money over health right now. There is no timeline for an announcement, but it's likely coming. It may not bring the same fanfare as a typical event, but for Trey Young, he says it would be an honor. It's a different opinion for me uh, than a lot of other guys who are flying in. And um, I understand both sides. 11 Alive has been on top of this from the start. They'll continue to update us. But for the latest, check them out at 11 Alive News and 11alive.com. 
I, for one, don't understand how someone like Chris Paul can say, hey, we care about our guys' safety, our players, that's what we're worried about, and then say, well, we need to play this exhibition game that doesn't actually matter in the standings. LeBron has it absolutely right. This is about the money. This is about protecting the Golden Goose. They can sell ads on it, so they're going to have a game, and that's just the reality of the situation that we are in. Coming up next, are the Jets the most interesting team in the NFL, at least for a couple months? Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. It took overtime, but the Lakers beat the Thunder 114 to 113. Wednesday night, LeBron James made a three with 19 seconds left in the fourth quarter to tie it at 105, then got the defensive rebound on the other end to send the game into overtime. The Phoenix Suns ended the Milwaukee Bucks five-game win streak last night in a game that came down to the final seconds and a Giannis jumper at the buzzer that wouldn't go. Brendan Clean here with you from Locked On Phoenix Suns, coming to you live from Phoenix Suns Arena after a 125-124 victory by the Phoenix Suns over the Milwaukee Bucks, one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. The Suns uh, come from a back and forth game and Devin Booker takes them home once again with some fourth quarter scoring, gets to the free throw line off of an isolation on Chris Middleton late. But more than anything, this is the Suns offense that we've talked so much about. They started off as a, as a strong defensive team. They came together defensively with Jay Crowder, DeAndre Ayton, Mikhail Bridges leading the way there. Now the offense is, is really at its peak. I've been talking about it for days and, and on, on Locked on Suns, and here we are. Another magnificent performance, 125 points against this Bucks defense. Weathered the storm as Giannis got to the line, I think 20 or so times the refs were almost uh, using broken whistles, it felt like, with how consistently that call was there for Giannis Antetokounmpo, but no matter. The Suns come away with the victory in front of a arena full of fans, and uh, it's their fourth straight. They are now 15-9, and nine, heading up the Western Conference standings, and as I said, coming together as an offensive squad and really realizing their potential. For more on this team, follow Locked On Phoenix Suns wherever you listen to podcasts. The Timberwolves fell to the Clippers 119-112, but they did get Carl Anthony Towns back as he returned for his first game since contracting COVID-19. Towns played 31 minutes and scored 18 points. Towns, of course, lost multiple family members to the COVID-19 outbreak and has been outspoken about his difficult experience in the pandemic. Five WNBA teams combined to make five trades, including seven players and five draft picks on Wednesday, highlighted by Natasha Howard heading to the New York Liberty and the Dallas Wings landing the number one overall pick. The Seattle Storm lost two key contributors to their 2018 and 2020 title teams while reshaping the roster with a focus on younger talent that also involved the Minnesota Lynx and Phoenix Mercury. Nearly half the league's teams in all were involved in the transaction. Here is another story you need to know. Between new coach Robert Sala and the swirling Deshaun Watson rumors and as much cap space as any team in the league has in an offseason where a lot of teams are going to be cap crunched, the New York Jets just may well be the most intriguing team of the NFL offseason. John Butchko from Locked on Jets joins me now. And John, when you are looking at the big picture for this Jets offseason, 
Do you have a number one priority list here on, on what they need to get accomplished moving forward? You know, Peter, it's difficult to say because the Jets just need pretty much everything right now. This was <laughs> it was a two and fourteen football team. And as you mentioned, there are going to be a lot of tools at the disposal of this team because they have cap space. And this is a unique year to have cap space. Most years the salary cap goes up in the NFL. So even if you are among the league leaders in cap space, everybody's got some money to spend. So you may be you may be able to get certain free agents, but you have to pay a lot for them. This is going to be the type of year where there are not going to be a lot of teams with money to spend. So your dollars will go further. But in addition to that, the Jets also have an extra first round pick and an extra third round pick from the Jamal Adams trade. So that's the good news. The Jets have a lot of resources to make their team better, but the bad news is they need a little bit of everything. Right. They've got a lot, but they need a lot. And that that creates some questions about priorities. So is there a price with Deshaun Watson that you would just say, look, that's too much. It's It's just too much. You know, the way I look at it is I don't think that you would ever – say 15 years from now oh man we shouldn't have given up that extra first round pick for deshaun watson he's not <laughs> right. good so i think it's more what are you trying to accomplish because if you can figure out that either a zach wilson or a justin fields or you know maybe some other quarterback like a trey lance is going to be a franchise quarterback that might be the quicker way to contention because then you take the classic NFL strategy of getting the quarterback on the rookie deal and you have all these resources to build around them. With Watson, you're guaranteeing yourself stability, but he's going to come at the expense. First of all, he's going to take up a lot of the cap space that you've got. But second, he's going to take up a lot of the draft capital that you have. Now, if you're trying to win a Super Bowl over the next you know, 10 to 12 years, Deshaun Watson's probably the best starting point that you can have, but it's probably going to be a slower build, although it's a you know it's a lower risk because you know Deshaun Watson's going to be great. So the way I view it is not so much is this the right move or is it the wrong move? It's more which strategy do you want to take? Do you want to take the sure thing that maybe brings you stability quicker, but it would take a little bit longer to build up? the rest of the roster or are you looking for the home run right now to potentially have a talented young quarterback to build around and as many resources as any, as any team in the league to build around them it's not i think it's more which path do you want to take as much as it is is this the right move is that the wrong move the tampa bay buccaneers went from out of the playoffs to into the super bowl can the minnesota vikings take the same kind of leap and break their seeming franchise curse. That's our cue of the day next. Agree or disagree? This is the cue of the day. There's an old joke about the Vikings that you can't let them go near cereal because anytime they get near a bowl, they choke. But it was the case that the Buccaneers, for most of their franchise's existence, was a laughing stock. And so the Vikings. Could this be the time to follow the Bucks script to go from a below 500 team 
to not only into the playoffs, but into Super Bowl contention. Locked on Vikings, Luke Braun has how they could get that done. All right, so in 2019, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they go 7-9 and nine. in 2020. They go 11-5, and five, make it into the playoffs as a wild card and win the Super Bowl. So how can the Vikings do the same thing? 7-9 and nine in 2020, how can they turn 2021 into that promised year? They have a bunch of problems from 2020 that they have to solve, and some from before 2020 that they have to solve before they can get to that kind of promised land. And I think the biggest one that ailed them in 2020 is that they were soft. They were soft up front on both sides of the ball, especially on the defense. And a lot of that had to do with some backups playing. They didn't have Michael Pierce because of a COVID-19 opt-out. They didn't have Daniel Hunter who was injured. They didn't have Anthony Barr for most of the year. And they didn't have Eric Kendricks for a pretty decent chunk of the year as well. That'll hurt your run defense, but they were soft. They were able to be pushed around by pretty much whoever your the opposing guard was. It didn't have to be a good one. They were unable to, to hold their spots, to stay in their gaps, and a lot of times they would run themselves out of position anyways, leading to a lot of explosive rushes. Depending on how you define this, there were three games in the 2020 season where a rushing offense looked like an explosive passing offense against the Vikings. You can't let that happen. You have to be able to be a defense that you have to pass on to beat. And that wasn't true of the Vikings. You did not have to pass to beat the Vikings. You could have beat them on the ground entirely, and that is an outlier that you have to be able to fix. You can do that in a number of ways, through free agency, if you can figure out the cap, through the draft, just by virtue of getting a lot of players back from injury and otherwise, but you have to fix that softness problem. The other thing you have to do is deploy better coverage concepts. And the Vikings didn't have a lot of options around this because they started a bunch of young cornerbacks who couldn't get some of the more complex coverage rules down with no preseason or or at least a really truncated preseason. They were rookies getting used to the speed of the game. You saw that with Cameron Dantzler in 2020, who had an absolutely catastrophic first six games of his year. But then once the season kind of started to come around, he was able to do things like lock down Super Bowl winning wide receiver Mike Evans and had one of his better games against those Buccaneers. He locked down uh, Robbie Anderson and a whole bunch of players near the end of the season had a, a much better time. And Jeff Gladney also got better as the season went along. So you have to continue that and also be able to kind of trust those players a little bit more. You can ask them to do a little bit more man coverage, some more complex coverage rules that allow uh, Mike Zimmer and his defense to come up with some more complex ways to counter the infinitely complex things that offenses are going to throw at them. And on the offensive side, though the offense was pretty good, you have to fix the offensive line. This is something that Vikings fans have been crowing about since like 2014, but there were 19 sacks, at least according to Pro Football Focus, that were only the fault of guards. You have to fix the guard situation. Dakota Dozier is not an acceptable starter, and a rookie left tackle in Ezra Cleveland playing at right guard is not acceptable either. You have to find a better strategy than that going into the 2021 season. What's interesting here is they could follow a lot of what the Bucks did last season if you hit on one or two draft picks. The Buccaneers, they add Tristan Wirfs in the first round. They add Antoine Winfield Jr., Coincidentally, a former Vikings player's son in the second round, and that catapults them further. Those are the missing pieces, so to speak, along with guys like Vita Vea, Devin White, Mike Evans, and, and first-round picks they've accumulated over a long period of losing. The Vikings haven't been picking in the top 10, in the top 15, but they have gotten some elite talent, guys like Justin Jefferson, and we saw last year Jeff Gladney, Cam Dantzler, they are guys who played well for stretches last season. If you can get that year two leap out of some of these guys and then add a rookie or two in this draft, figure out the cap and get some of that stuff is not going to be easy to navigate. 
but the Vikings have been doing it the last few years under some difficult conditions, they could be right back in the mix. I don't think it's likely. I think when Kirk Cousins is your quarterback, that caps your ceiling in a way that, well, let's be honest, Tom Brady's doesn't, but Kirk Cousins has shown that he can win some of these big games. He's won some playoff games for the Vikings here. And so could he get really red hot in the playoffs with Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson and an offensive line that's a little bit better? Yeah, I think he could. I just don't think it's likely. And they still have the Packers in their own division who they don't seem likely to pass. And finally, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers held a boat parade Wednesday to celebrate their Super Bowl championship. At one point during the parade, Tom Brady was captured on video tossing the Lombardi Trophy from his boat across the water to where a shirtless Cameron Brait made the catch and brought wild cheers from fans and players. That was the best catch of my life, Brait said. Unbelievable. That was the best catch of my life if I had dropped that. I think I would have had to retire. Just imagine if Tom Brady had missed the throw. I guess he's got plenty back home. He's got he's got six spares, so he he could have found a replacement. I think there. Now that you've got the news, go make some money. Listen to Locked On Bets. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up on Friday, can the Chargers do what the Bucks did and land themselves the Super Bowl in their home stadium, just like Tampa Bay? At least until tomorrow, stay locked on today.